Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yoga Tribe, namaste. This is Alec Vishal Rubin here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. I'm feeling magical and full of excitement to share with you Mary Claire Sweet, MC is the fearless leader of the Lotus House of Yoga, my yoga exchange, and the Rock for the Vibe tribe. Her dharma is clearly revealed in this lifetime to illuminate the love in each of our hearts, bringing us closer to ourselves and more connected to each other. My homie who wrote this, you know, 1500 years ago was going through the same shit that you are. <laughs> so like, we are not that different. As humans, we're dealing with the same stuff over and over. And that brings a sense of unity to the entire human experience that is revealed through these ancient scriptures. Get ready for a journey into the heart of the fire with MC Sweet on this episode of the Yoga Revealed Podcast. Namaste and thank you for tuning in to Yoga Revealed Podcast. This is Alec and Hope you're having an amazing day. And Yoga Revealed is so excited to announce that we just hit 15,000 downloads. And we couldn't do that without you, our Yoga Revealers, those who are tuning in to the interviews and the people that we are illuminating and taking the wisdom that is being transmitted and sharing that with your community. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I sit across from the one and only, the vibrant and the incredibly abundant Mary Claire Sweet, also known as Miss MC. Yo, what up, Alec? (laughs) Thank you so much, Mary Claire, for joining me in my house in Boulder, Colorado and revealing to us what yoga is as it's found in your heart. Yes, that's exactly where it is. And I'm so happy to share space with you. I love your house. I might move in. I love it. Yes. <laughs> so, FC, we love to start the podcast off with who you are for those who maybe don't know who you are and how yoga was um, found to you. A little synopsis. Yes, I would love to share that. Well, I enjoy a really um, heart led life. And I think that's the summation of everything I've walked through thus far. So, I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska. 
and I had a very magical upbringing. My parents loved food and music and culture and art. They loved um, taking us outside and we, as little girls, my little sisters and I would find fairy circles and (laughs) we'd pretend like we were whisked away to India or we'd be um, in Africa exploring. You know, we had these tremendous imaginations and just really magical little childhood, you know, and even though we were in the middle of the country in Lincoln, Nebraska, my parents made sure that, you know, we were very cultured, even down to like when we were little kids, my parents fed us Japanese cake, which was tofu. And I mean, I thought that was just what Japanese cake was, you know? (laughs) And so it was like, we eat, you know, tofu with soy sauce on it. Um, my parents were friends with lots of chefs, and so, like, there was one Indian restaurant in Lincoln, Nebraska when I was growing up, and my little sisters and I would, like, stand outside the kitchen and, you know, watch the grandmother make naan and, and use the deep ovens, and so I grew up in a way where nothing was really off-limits, you know, and um, my parents practiced Tai Chi, and my mom practiced yoga, my dad always had like was getting body work done and so connecting the physical body with the energetic body made total sense to me um because of that like foundation i expressed myself as a dancer i danced since i was 3 years old and when i would go to dance camps or you know go to like dance workshops there was always kind of like a token yoga class um my mom and grandmother grew up watching Lilius Fullen on PBS. And I tell you this because I think a lot of people in our culture today come to the yoga mat as like, I don't know what this is. Like, what are we exactly doing here? And for me, yoga was just always like, okay, something additional that I do to, for my dancing. And we travel a lot growing up. We came to Estes Park, Colorado every year of my life. I mean, sometimes several times a year. And there's a bookstore called McDonald's Books in Estes Park. And there, when I was 12, um, I got a book about yoga. It was, like, probably made by Gaim or something, you know? I mean, it wasn't, like, um, you know, the mirror of yoga. I wish it was. But, um, but that my journal from that year is, like an annotation of the book so it's like you can look back through this journal and I've like written out all the chakras and like I had written out the eight limbs and just was like okay this is my spiritual practice now meanwhile I grew up in the Catholic faith and my parents were very much like new wave hippies so it was like we do this but also you know, you can have sex with whomever you're in love with for the first time. And like, you know, yeah, there's no sin. Like, that's not real. But because I grew up in a faith where we were, you know, worshiping the Mother Mary and other saints, when I came to my yoga practice as an older person, like, connecting with the deities just was very easy. Mm-hmm. And um, all of these little things, little, you know, moments that I walked through in my upbringing really brought me to a place where in college um, I was in a very self-destructive phase. You know, I look back now and I was trying to fit in and conform and I did that through drug abuse, through alcohol abuse. I mean, 
I didn't sleep. I didn't eat well. Like it was like four years of my life where I was trying to kill myself as, you know, swiftly as I could or tense, test my invincibility, which I think, you know, a lot of young people kind of go through, but, um, I always like had my yoga practice. So sometimes I would have, you know, been up on like a drug binge for a couple of days and still like, you know, oh, the birds are singing, the sun's out, like, I should roll my mat out and do some sun salutations, you know? So it was kind of like, you know, sometimes I think like, why isn't the yoga working? And it's like, the yoga was working over time to keep you alive, you know? So um, through, you know, the support of my family, first and foremost, and, you know, one of my best friends at the time, I got clean, I cleaned Mm. up, you know, quit killing my body. And, um, a year later I was pregnant and, um, I was in love with my partner at the time. And so, um, we had a baby and I was teaching dance and it was, you know, I was 24 years old. So I was looking back now, I'm like, that was so young. Oh my gosh. How did I do that? But, um, uh, and after about a year and a half of my daughter being, in my life, she was just teaching me that there was something much greater, you know, and I took years prior, um, an extended vacation. My dad calls it to New York city, um, where I met Dharma Mitra, one Mm. of my first teachers. And, um, you know, there was a, a love in his eye, like a twinkle in his eye that looked at me with such compassion and, acceptance and unconditional love. And I wanted to share that with everyone. Mm. So that's really kind of where the journey of, um, making yoga, my, like, you know, the outline for my life began. So Tallulah, my daughter was like 18 months old. I decided, yeah, I'll just open a yoga studio and, you know, start teaching yoga. And this was kind of before, like, the churning out of the teacher trainings. And so I had done lots of different teacher trainings, but I didn't like have a yoga Alliance sticker. That's for sure. I didn't really know that you needed one of those, you know? Um, and I'm still not really sure that you do, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, anyhow, so I opened Lotus House of Yoga in 2010. There was a Chinese restaurant in Lincoln called House of Hunan, and it was, like, dirty and grimy, and, like, I'm sure it's just, like, number one ingredient MSG. <laughs> but I loved that, like, kitschiness. So I'm like, it has to be House of Yoga. And, um, you know, just the iconography of the Lotus within our practice is just so right. I mean, it's used a lot, but there's a reason why. And this, the part that spoke to me the most was that as the lotus flower grows from the mud, it seeks the light, Hmm. you know, and that I identified with. I feel that my whole life I've always sought the light, no matter if I'm dealing with, you know, a season of depression or a season of mania or a a season of apathy. It's like, always at when it's like that rock bottom it's like where's the light okay there it is let's find another little patch of sunlight okay here we go Mm. and you know that process takes a lot of work it's easy to stay in the mud in the depths it's very simple and I find myself still doing it sometimes like 
that's uh, way easier to just be like, I'm stressed out. It's hard to expand yourself to a place where you are looking for that light and moving towards it. So um, Lotus House of Yoga is now in its sixth year. Mm. And we have uh, five studios in Nebraska. We're opening another one in May. Wow. And um, I've got a juice bar or two. And I have an um, online clothing company called My Yoga Exchange which I'm super fired up about. We take all those yoga clothes that um, are sitting in your closet and we either resell them online or donate them to women in, um, in safe houses wow. so that they have clothes to wear whether they want to wear them at their, on their yoga mat there or you know maybe someday come to a yoga studio. So Wow. Yeah, life is exciting. That's so exciting. There's so many things that I'm going to comment on. We'll talk about my yoga exchange okay. um, towards the end. Wonderful. But uh, I'm going to comment on um, when you first met Dharma Mitra and mm-hmm. that, that twinkle that you mm-hmm. saw in his eye. Yeah. When I first met you and I picked you up at the airport last year for Hanuman Festival, I just felt this like full embrace Mm -hmm. of a hug and love and eye soul Mm -hmm. connection and and it you're succeeding thank you thank you i think that everyone that sees you they see this twinkle in your eye and this (laughs) this this bright shine in your heart and it is just so radiant and so bright that's so amazing um your upbringing sounds like a dream yeah. <laughs> like a like a, a dream in a book. <laughs> it was. It really, really was, yeah. Um my family is my number one priority. My, you know, parents went through a split up and they're in new relationships now and it's so cool and beautiful and so they're all really good friends and I mean my family is my my everything and, mm. and they were certainly a part of that magic growing up. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So you have this, um, this, 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 I don't I'll call it a thing, but you have Vibe Tribe. Yeah. Tell us Vibe about Tribe. Vibe Tribe. What's Vibe Tribe? Vibe Tribe. Well, Vibe Tribe is really, um, so the, our sort of like tagline is, you know, feel the vibe, join the tribe. And in other words, everyone's invited to the party. You know, that's huge for me. When I was growing up, if I ever saw somebody being left out, it was like instantly I wanted to hug them and include them. And, you know, I think that comes a lot from me feeling excluded at times in my life. And, you know, when I was in elementary school, like, let me give you an example of maybe how weird I was. (laughs) I was in um, fifth grade. And the gym teacher called the boys team Bulldogs and the girls team Poodles. And to me, that was like a huge strike against feminism. And so I launched a campaign in my elementary school. I handmade posters, put them up to end feminism in our physical education program. And um, so I started, you know, I would start little businesses or, or different things like that. And I think, you know, all women who are listening to this podcast can relate to mean girls. You know, there's like the sixth grade mean girls and there's the eighth grade mean girls and the Mm. high school mean girls. And, and after being, you know, put out and excluded enough times, you know, you start to conform and you're like, I don't want to feel like I'm left out anymore. So, okay, I'll start like drinking and going out and, you know, like wearing the outfits and doing the thing. And, 
And I was just trying to slowly like kill the part of me that was weird until I really went to New York and I was like, oh, it's cool to be weird. And the weirder you are, the more accepted. Oh, this is my scene, man. Like, here I am. And so when I came home from New York, I was like, I stepped off the plane and I had an awakening. And I was like, I will never apologize for who I am ever again. And, you know, the yoga scene in general is very accepting. No matter who you are, you know, come to the yoga mat. But I'll be honest with you. I went to um, assist at a festival back in 2012, and I was kind of standing around some yoga teachers, people you know and love, and, you know, one of them was like, and what style of yoga do you teach? And I was like, um, love yoga? Like, it just came out, and I was like, and and I could kind of see the women, like, roll their eyes a little bit, and like, oh, okay, like, that's not real. And, and, And in that moment, I was like, it is real and I'm going to make it real. And the people who are doing it are called the vibe tribe, you know, <laughs> and no matter who you are, no matter what you come to the mat with, no matter what your body looks like, no matter what color your skin is, no matter what socioeconomic class you come from, no matter what you smell like, <laughs> you are invited to the party, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, life is a party 100% of the time because you and I know that it's not. That's not sustainable. However, the Vibe Tribe is sort of a place where you can come to and it feels like a celebration of life. Um, It's very inclusive and I love, you know, looking out around our classrooms and, you know, when we all like hang out or go out to dinner and, and it's like every walk of life, you know, every age every background, everyone's at the party and nothing makes me happier, you know? Mm. So the Vibe Tribe is really founded on inclusivity and on celebration. And, you know, Yogi Bhajan says, first, see the other as yourself. And I will say that in all of yoga, that's probably, even though I'm not a huge, you know, kundalini practitioner, like that to me, I think is what can heal our world first and foremost. And, you know, that's a tenant of the vibe drive. See the others mm. yourself first. Nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. You have this belief of uh, manifestation. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for a moment. How yeah. does manifestation show up in your life, in your yoga practice, even in day-to-day walkings on the street? Yeah. Oh, awesome. You know, it shows up in waves manifestation. It's, you know, certainly a buzzword in our community, in our world right now, you know, and like, hell yeah, why not? Like, let's let trendiness be centered around something that's good. You know, I think what happens, the the only unsustainable part of it is what happens is we begin to identify as the things we're manifesting. And then it's like your value gets placed in oh, well, I need to manifest that. I need to manifest this. So, um, you know, Richard Freeman and Mary are, you know, my teachers as well. And they always help me see the um, space between my soul, my space, and what I've manifested in my life. Mm -hmm. So the fun stuff of manifesting is doing it from a place that serves the world. So... 
I use the word God. I'm obsessed with God. I have a whole religion called the God Blob. And um, I, all my prayer every morning, thank you, God, for waking me up. And how can I serve you more today? Mm -hmm. What can I do to serve God more? Because God, to me, is that little spark of Narayana that's in each Mm -hmm. of us, you know, that spark that we see. Um, And so how can I serve my brother and my sister through my work on this planet today? So with that as the soil, when I plant those seeds, I my hope and my prayer is that they're grown in the light of service. Mm. Okay, so for me, I have a lot of fun traveling. I have a lot of fun teaching. I have a lot of fun talking to big groups of people and raising the vibration. So manifesting Lotus House of Yoga into you know, the almost six studio locations that it is right now, I don't see it as like a big, huge thing. It's like, oh yeah, it's just another place for us to all have fun together and like come together and love each other. Um, Being able to teach yoga in Morocco and Spain and Turkey and Mexico, you know, those things to me are like fun. It's like, yeah, let's do it, you know? And So it comes from a place of I know when I'm vibrating at my highest or when I'm like really in love with my life, I'm serving the world. And um, I continue to move forward with that as my intention and that as my motivation. And when you do that, things line up and they happen more quickly. I think with manifestation too, you have to get out of your own way. You know, one way that God humbles me is like, And why do you think you can do it by yourself? Like, that is my constant humble. I hear the voice of God, the Mm. voice of love saying, like, why did you think again that that by controlling everything and trying to figure out the outcomes, like, you could do this all by yourself without, like, harnessing that just huge wave of energy that's ready to move through me whenever I, like you know, drop the mic and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to try and control this anymore. You know, it's like we get so, um, attached to the outcome, to our expectation that we let our expectation motivate our cause for action. And Bhagavad Gita says like, "Uh uh-uh, Playa, you are not allowed those fruits. Okay. You do the work. You get to connect to the work and you can eat the fruit, but you're not entitled to them all, you know? And, and that keeps me humble. And the, the, I'll be coming out with a Bhagavad Gita ghetto translation. <laughs> White girl appropriation rears its ugly head, but I will say it makes it a little more fun. So um, when I'm manifesting, I'm also really trying not to... Um, you know, stay, it's to be attached to what happens at the end, you know, and really just let it move through me. I remember when I was like about nine years old and actually last weekend I visited this same site. I was on my family's land in Humboldt, Nebraska, and um, I walked off by myself and stood sort of on this ridge and I remember stretching my arms out so wide mm. my fingertips mm. were just like stretching from to the ends of the earth and I just felt value like Mm. go through me and I remember standing in there thinking like this is God 
this is what God feels like. This wave of energy that's like permeating your entire physicality. It's surrounding you. It feels like unity. It feels like synchronicity and it feels like love. And that was, I will say, like my first spiritual experience. Um, My parents, when we were really young, we would go to Santa Fe a lot and we would spend time on the reservation. Um, We would hike the you know, adobe cliff dwellers, and we'd look at petroglyphs, and, you know, that was very, very spiritual to me as well, but I think in the realm of manifestation, it's really like this state of needing nothing, okay, and when you connect to that state of needing nothingness, then you get to, like, paint your own picture, and you can say, okay, well, you know, I've really always wanted to put a yoga studio near the university, so that kids can come and practice yoga, kids who are like me, who maybe were partying for four days straight and they need a little bit of home, you know, Mm -hmm. or the corporate dude who's, you know, in the office building and, and needs an hour of time to himself, you know, can walk downstairs and come to this new yoga studio. And, and that's how my manifestations are Mm. serving the world right now. Wow. And it seems like your, your dharma has really shown itself mm-hmm. through the the, the quality mm-hmm. of uh, your manifestations that have shown up yeah. in your life. It's so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, Dharma, for me, I think, like, if, if for some reason I would find myself selling potatoes tomorrow, like, I would still be doing it with such love and mm. such devotion and bhav that... I know I'd be living my dharma out, you know? It's just that our bodies need to be unlocked through the asana. Everybody's does, and that's a really potent way then to connect in a heart-centered place, and and that's yoga. As you do, you know, continue to, to cultivate beautiful teachers in your studios and uh, mm-hmm. cultivate your own teaching practice, what do you find is the responsibility of the teacher. Mm. Mm. Okay, what is the responsibility of the yoga teacher? First and foremost, all of the people that go through our teacher training, they know they sh- they are um, directed to practice yoga every single day, practice asana every day. Now, I say that knowing that um, probably like one day a week it's not going to happen, maybe three days it's a, a week, but if they know from me, their, you know, quote unquote, teacher or leader at that time, like my prayer for you is that you get on your yoga mat every day. Um, that's a huge responsibility. I think that if you as a yoga teacher are practicing, you will be offering your students quality. If you get to a place where, oh, well, I practice when I teach and I'm modeling the poses. It's like, no, that's not practicing. Practicing could be pigeon's pose on your right and your left leg for four minutes each side and like lay down. That's fine. That's a practice. But it's getting on your mat by yourself to the place where you are your own teacher. Then you are, you're never going to get burned out. If you're constantly going back to your yoga mat, you are so aware and in tune with your own needs that you can't overgive to your students. When you're constantly teaching all the time and not getting on your yoga mat, 
you know, that's where the burnout happens and that's where the quality lacks. So to be the consummate student is first and foremost a responsibility of yoga teachers. Um, Second is, I think, using some sort of ancient scripture as your mirror. So whatever practice feels best to you, and, and hopefully for you it'll change every once in a while, but you know, using something ancient as your mirror as a method of self-inquiry is, is paramount because there is a reason that these teachings have survived for thousands of years, okay? <laughs> and one of the coolest things to me is I'm like, my homie who wrote this, you know, 1,500 years ago was going through the same shit that you are. <laughs> so, like, we are not that different, as humans, we're dealing with the same stuff over and over. And that brings a sense of unity to the entire human experience that is revealed through these ancient scriptures. So for me, it's the Gita. You know, I go back to it over and over again. Um, I resonate with the Bible. I resonate with Kabbalah. I resonate with, um, you know, the sutras and I, I I love to read. I've read my whole life. You know, my mom said she'd come in my room when I was a little girl. It'd be like three in the morning. I'd have a flashlight under my bed covers and like trying to read Anne of Green Gables or something (laughs) or Chronicles of Narnia. Um, But I think using an ancient scripture as a yoga teacher is a huge, huge way to, to develop a touchstone, a mirror where you will be revealed things that you can then share with your students through your own filter. It's like, you know, we, on every time that I step onto my yoga mat this morning, my sore, first thing I do is I thank my teachers. Mm -hmm. And then I thank their teachers, and I thank their teachers, and I thank their teachers, and all of a sudden, there's a party on my yoga mat (laughs) because there is a lot of lineage back there of people who have sacrificed you know, things that we'll never know, um, in the name of this practice. And, um, so that sense of history and unity is huge to have a teacher that, like we were speaking about earlier, connects to your heart, that you see them as your teacher so humbly is a huge responsibility for a quality yoga practice as well. And then I think finally, coming to meet your students in love. Mm. We live in a world where we're met with brick walls and we're met with boundaries and um, space all too often. So when you can simply meet another person in love, like connect at that heart space right away, it's huge. You know, this morning in my store, Ty, first thing he did was introduce himself, looked at me in the eye, shook my hand. I was like, oh, you're nice too. Cool. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. You know, and, um, the yoga teachers who don't offer that first and foremost, I think have been hurt in a way. And that, that makes me sad for them. I don't think it drains your energy or hurts you in any way to meet your students in love. And, Um, so my wish for all of you quality yoga teachers is just show up in love for your students. Mm. I would like to comment with a question on the, the ancient scripture and how we yoga teachers, it is, um, 
perhaps of a great advantage to to dive into these scriptures just to self study mm-hmm. but then how do we transmit some of this pretty challenging knowledge yeah. to like understand and fathom and like soak in to the communities that are a little bit intimidated by uh eastern philosophy yeah perhaps absolutely um okay a few things first i want to be teaching this practice until i'm like 94 and i want to be practicing until i'm 108 so i'm in no rush You know, these manuscripts have so much information. Like, you know, Gita, I can read one verse and it's like, okay, got to take a couple weeks on that one, you know? (laughs) So I don't think there's any rush. And in a lot of yoga studios, including Lotus House of Yoga, sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, make sure they get to yoga, entice them to stay. You know, we want them practicing so we can keep our doors open You know, there becomes this mentality of like, quick, hurry, get them the yoga drugs and then they'll stay, you know, and it's done out of love. It's done because we want our students to feel better, but it's also unnecessary. The Mm. yoga is going to work for itself and it's to be offered in small doses. Mm. You don't have to, you know, share the entire document with your students in one class. So I think... As yoga teachers, we have to take a little load off of our shoulders Mm. and know that you can just introduce one little thing at a time. Um, Another aspect is speak it in your own way. Mm. You know, I, when I was like very, very young, my favorite song was Fight for Your Right to Party by the Beastie Boys. I grew up with this like, you know, Beastie Boys, Madonna, New Wave, Elvis Costello, B-52s, um... Like, there was nothing musically that was off the table in our home. And that still informs me today. Mm. You know, I remember, like, the first rap music I started listening to in high school. And it was like, what is this? Oh, my gosh. And so, like, I can't deny that that doesn't inform the way that I share the Bhagavad Gita with my students. You know, or, like... If I'm telling a story about Parvati and Shiva, I'm not going to offer it in a way that's like really dry and just the bare bones of the story. I'm going to say like, and you know, like Parvati just had a great dinner at the kitchen upstairs and so she's feeling all like energized and ready to go meet meet Shiva. You know, I'm like, I try to find a way to incorporate our modern life or something that, you know, you can experience with me in the telling of this story. So don't, I, I used to honestly be afraid, like, well, what if Richard heard me tell the story like that? Like I would, I could never like, and I've just really let that go over the years because it's like, you know, my, the universe has brought me these students for a reason. They're sitting in front of me for a reason. And so I'm going to share with them the way that these ancient documents have moved through my system. You know, I'm just this little, like, filter, Mm. and there's a whole lot of light behind me, and I have an opportunity to share it with students, and so I'm going to do that in a way that feels authentic to me. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in no 
shortage of yoga teachers. We got a handful of them here in the United States of America. And so there's going to be something for everybody. So be true to yourself. Share this knowledge in the way that it's moved through you and integrated through you. Don't be afraid to change your mind and share it with your students authentically. Um, And then also, you know, there's this thing that happens where if I'll be seated with my teachers for a while, I'll go back to my students and I never try to teach what I was taught right away. I did that like one time. Like I went to Mati's Intensive in Santa Monica and I came home and I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to teach everything that I learned this week. Oh my God. It was horrible. My students were like looking at me in class like, I'm never coming back to you. It was just like, so give yourself time to integrate things, whether you've been sitting with your teacher or you've just read, you know, sutras and, and it's just made a huge profound impact. Let it integrate a little bit. Um, and, and give yourself a little bit of space and time, even though you're going to feel like you're chomping at the bit to share it. You know, one thing that Mati says always is like, take two or three little things with you. You don't have to take the whole thing today. It's like, (laughs) oh yeah. Okay. Like I don't have to, it's in my body somewhere. So like let in the front of my mind be two or three things that I'm taking away from, you know, my last time sitting with the Gita. Okay. I'm going to just take this away this time. I'm going to take this away this time, you know, cause the Gita is always going to be there for mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. I can always come back to it. You know, that's one thing that I just, this yoga practice, Alec, it's so faithful it's our most faithful companion. Mm. Yoga practice loves me unconditionally no matter how I show up to it. And um, it's it gives me time. So why do I feel like as a yoga teacher, I'm like rushed for time to tell people things? You know, you got a lot of time. Mm. There's no need to rush. Mm. Mm. I bow to you. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank mm, you. Mm, mm, mm. MC, you are such a rock of a builder and community. You're just such a connection catalyst. And as you have created such a profound community at the Lotus House of Yoga, what are the keys to cultivating a kula, cult- mm-hmm. cultivating a sangha, like mm-hmm. gathering community mm-hmm. for our listeners who, you know, want to be able to draw in their tribe or mm-hmm. start a yoga studio? What are the biggest yeah. keys to success? Yeah. Um, ask questions of your fellow humans. You know, I mean, obviously we could have a whole podcast about our cell phones, but, um, you know, my one of my rules that I don't speak out loud very often is like, if there's another human in the room, I don't have a cell phone in my face. I just think we are too much wealthy with information and life experience for the phone to take precedence from what's inside of you. Like, tell me about your favorite birthday party growing up. Okay, Uh, well, whoa, like, where does that, okay, you know, and then you dig back in, or what are you really excited about doing today, you know? And asking questions of the people that surround you is or 
when I started asking questions of the yoga students that would come to Lotus House of Yoga, it was like, you know, what did you do that was the funnest thing all weekend? And they'd be like, well, you know, I, oh, my, my aunt was in town. And so we got to sit and, you know, we took a walk or we did this thing. And so then it was like three weeks later, I could look at the same student and go like, hey, how's your aunt doing? You know, tell me about Aunt Cindy. What's she up to? Or, hey, how's that new project you're working on going? You know, and when you take time to invest in other people's experience, that develops a relationship and a foundation for people to come back to. And I will tell you 100%, I'm not doing it inauthentically. I really want to know, Alec, what was your favorite birthday party growing up, you know? <laughs> like, I want to know about the blue frosting that was such a big deal or whatever it was. And, and that makes me excited about life. So when I opened the yoga studio, just asking people questions um, was huge in building relationships. Number two, you know, I didn't, the founding team of Lotus House of Yoga, Chaley, Laura, Dave, you know, we, we all hang out together all the time. So it was like, we'd be hanging out after yoga class, just like sitting around and, you know, talking or, hey, let's all go down to the sushi restaurant or, oh, you guys like, hey, there's this great concert. Let's all meet there this weekend. We'd invite students and you know, much to the chagrin of some of my best friends, I'd be like, oh yeah, and you know, Leroy's coming too. And they'd be like, wait, who's that? I'm like, oh, he's like 75, he came to yoga class last week, like da da da, you know, and they'd kind of roll their eyes like, MC, come on, you know, but it's like, <laughs> that's the thing, everybody's invited. I can't, that's like a deal breaker for me. And, and so developing a community of inclusivity means that, no matter who you are, you're invited, okay? And I ha- can't tell you how many, like, times I've filled my gas up, my car with gas or something, and, like, gone into the gas station, handed a free week of yoga card to the gas station attendant. The DMV, I'm, I'm like, slanging yo- free yoga, making it rain like I'm in the club. Like, give everyone more yoga, and that spirit of generosity is um, tangible, and when people come into Lotus House of Yoga, they feel it, you know. Um, Also, just, like, inviting other yoga teachers from other yoga studios in, letting them practice for free, you know, is a huge way to build community, too, because I always wanted Lotus to be, like, your best friend's living room. Like, you come in, you're like, oh, my gosh, what's up? I mean... So many times I see that face that's like, I don't know, you don't hug me, don't hug me, don't hug me. And I'm like, sorry, I got to, I can't help it. I'm like a magnet to your heart. And I'm just like, go in and I hug. And, you know, it's a responsibility. And sometimes there are feelings of like, uh, you know, like, I just want somebody to like take me in and hug me sometimes. Mm. But that's not my dharma. My dharma is to be like, you know when you see somebody running a race and they're first across the line and they like bust through that like that you know finish line tape or whatever like I see my life as like a rainbow of finish line tape and I'm just like constantly running into it and I'm just like keep going you know and 
thank God for the meditation practice. Helps me just like sit, obviously, and be still. But um, the community at Lotus House of Yoga is just built on love, you know, and seeing everybody as yourself first. And, and when you do that and not have an expectation, you know, of like, oh, we want to build community. That's first and foremost. It's like, that's the expectation. What's the practice? What's the cause? What's your intention? It's just like, I just wanted to hang out with more people who wanted to practice yoga. And that will make be made manifest, you know, without you having to quote unquote work so hard. Do you teach meditation? Yeah, totally I do. I totally teach meditation. Um, there are a handful, like Laura McCarville is an incredible meditation teacher at Lotus House of Yoga. Um, and she's like super fired up about that right now. So she's teaching a lot of those classes, but I, I love teaching meditation within the vinyasa practice. Mm. I call them pastachios. So, you know, I know, shout out to Dan Will for that. But um, a pistachio, you have to like take time to like break open the shell and then you get to sit and like really enjoy that. Oh, pistachios, mouthwatering. But within the flow, I like to see the flow as like sort of cracking open the shell and then you like sit down, whether virasana or in, you know, sukhasana and just like, okay, 60 seconds, close your eyes, we're breathing, mm. you know. And then at the end of practice or sometimes even theming my classes just around, you know, you can't mess this up. You can't mm. mess meditation up and you have to stop being so hard on yourself that it's going to look or feel like a certain thing, you know. And... um I think that meditation for my students has been very clearly taught in private lessons. You know, when people seek me out for a private and they want to work on, you know, XYZ pose or they have an injury, I love teaching meditation in that setting. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a practice that I do every day. It's not 20 minutes every day, but I always sit and... My daughter and I sit before school, mm. 8 a.m. every day for five minutes. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a certain sense of like wanting or expecting it to be something for her. But just knowing that I'm setting up a foundation for her is really the intention there. And I teach her class meditation every week, her whole grade, the whole second grade. I go into her school and. You know, just giving these little kids the tools to go like, hey, you know that instinct you have to love all your friends? That's right. Keep going there. Hey, you know when you get frustrated, instead of reacting in this way, like take three deep breaths. We talk about a triangle breath all the time, you know, and I think just taking the veil of it has to be a certain way off is a very illuminating for people. And is the most effective way to teach my students meditation. Mm. I'm such a sucker for kids. And uh, (laughs) I I love children so much. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Mm -hmm. But man, your daughter is so blessed to have you in her life. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure vice versa. Absolutely. Yes. She's an incredible teacher. And, you know, I not, not through any of my own doing, but she's been able to keep those secrets um, 
you know, revealed in her own heart. Like I haven't, you know, and the world hasn't shut them down. So she's still a little girl. She still has amazing imagination. She comes to people in love. She's so compassionate. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's just the, the generation that I want to raise. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and like mm-hmm. pull a Hanuman and like get into your heart and like open the heart up. And I'm like looking in and just like through seeing like your upbringing and like where you are, there's like so much love and I'm trying to look in there and I'm like, where did this like fancy for business come in? Mm -hmm. How, how did you (laughs) get to maintain all this love Mm -hmm. and have just like, wow, some like, gusto with yeah. with business because mm-hmm. personally business is a little bit daunting yeah and for others who are a little bit intimidated by numbers or yes. you know this and that yeah wow how did that Absolutely. happen okay great question and i would love to talk about it because i remember one of the first times yoshi and i had dinner together the like main discussion we had was this was a very long time ago who's yoshi Yoshi Ono is the um, director and founder of the Hanuman Festival. And he is, um, you know, just has created an incredible space. And um, we've been friends for a long time. And I'm extraordinarily grateful. You know, he, this is a, a, a tangent. I was modeling for a yoga clothing company in Utah. And I wanted to teach for the Hanuman Festival so bad. Alex, so, so bad. It was like no other festival. I didn't care. I just wanted to teach at Hanuman. And so I spent too much money that I didn't have at the time and rerouted my flight to come to Boulder on the way home. And I was like, hey, Yoshi, yeah, um, you know, I'm going to be in Boulder, so, like, let's have dinner. And this was, like, a huge, like, cross your fingers, hope you can have dinner with him. <laughs> And so we did, and we totally connected, and he looked at me, and he goes, you know what, MC, I don't have any more space at Hanuman Festival this year, but, you know, maybe next year. And I was a little heartbroken, but I thought, you know what, okay, next year's my year. Well, it turns out, two months later, I was at my dad's house, and I get a call from him, and he's like, MC, we had his face open up, I've got one class for you to teach. Mic dropped. Dead. <laughs> Try to keep my composure, I'm like... Okay, great. Yeah. He's like, can you send me some class titles over? I'm like, absolutely. Just like freaking out. (laughs) We popped a bottle of champagne. I'm not kidding you. I was so excited. Okay. So, so my business acumen comes from very strong female leaders in my life. First and foremost, me and my mother. She is an artist at heart. Um, she was an abstract painter when I was growing up and always was on her hustle though. You know, we would just kind of be in tow with her and she'd be going to art galleries and, you know, trying to get them to show her art. She always was teaching art to, um, young kids and students and she, um, did a program where she took kids at risk kids who had been kicked out of their homes and on the streets and, um, did a public artwork with them, um, painted the inside of a parking garage that's still there today, happens to be directly next to one of our yoga mm. studios, which is pretty freaking cool. Um, but so I saw her like honor her art and honor her talents, but yet still be able to monetize that. Okay. 
and she was incredible barterer, but she would barter. She'd say like, well, let me do a painting for your space and my daughter can do dance lessons or, you know, let me do a mural at the school and this and that, you know? So she really showed me that anything was possible in terms of business. And then, um, the Lieutenant Governor of Nebraska was one of my mentors, um, the CEO of an incredible organization called Talent Plus was one of my mentors. Um, and, you know, one of those women told me, Mary Claire Sweet never apologized for making money because I had babysat for one of their kids and, you know, they gave me the check and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, thank you, you know. And in that moment, never apologized for making money. I was like so empowered, you know, like, oh, I don't have to be weird about this. It doesn't, you know, I demand that this is not the boundary of our relationship. There's so much more to a business relationship than just the money, you know. And um, I was formed with those ideals at a very important time before I opened Lotus House of Yoga. So I opened Lotus. I didn't know what a P&L was. That's... Um, a profit and loss sheet. I didn't know what a balance sheet was. I had never used Excel before. I was a marketing and advertising major in the time I went to college. So this was very foreign to me. And my uncle, Joe, he's my godfather. He gave me like a college education in business, basically the first year that Lotus was open. Cause I literally had no idea. I would go to like, you know, finance meetings with my accountants and leave in tears because I just felt so, yeah, I didn't understand it. But that's, you know, the practice. The practice is showing up and not know, okay, like Trikonasana, I still don't get it really. (laughs) You know, it's like the hardest pose in the world, but being okay with not knowing. And um, I've always been an entrepreneur I've always wanted to be a leader. So those, you know, I read years and years ago that a successful business owner has three things. There are two of three things. They're an entrepreneur, an expert technician, and a great manager. And I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, I'm working to be an expert in our technical trade that we're doing here. I'm not a very good manager of people. You know, I would rather kind of say like, oh, you didn't get that done? Oh, I'll just pick up this. Let me, let me just do it. You know, I don't want to bother you with this. Um, and enter stage right. My mom, who after a couple years of Lotus being in existence, came in as our CEO. And we've always run Lotus like a business, you know. And that's been a very helpful anchor mm-hmm. in um, a very in a practice where you're taught to stay present with the wave, you know, so whatever the bank account looks like that day, like you're present in it, whatever, you know, the, the class numbers look like next week, you're present in it. And it's, it's so tough. I mean, if you're listening to this and you have a yoga studio owner in your life, please go hug them and thank them because the work that they're doing behind the scenes isn't as fun as doing triangle pose. <laughs> I would much rather not look at a computer and do triangle pose, but that's part of my practice right now is to, you know, stay on the forefront of my business acumen. Mm-hmm. I think business is developed on relationships first and foremost, 
and relationships are cyclical. So, you know, not um, quote unquote burning bridges is really important and setting your ex- expectations of a current business deal aside and knowing that, you know, things come in waves and it might come up later. You know, some of the property that Lotus House of Yoga is built on now, I've been looking at for years and times where I thought that deal fell through or I didn't get that lease. Well, now I have it, you know, and had I not kind of walked down the path of it a few times before, I wouldn't be where I am right now. So, you know, business is, is a very dynamic, multifaceted being. And as long as it's not put on some sort of pedestal as being higher than anything else, you know, I think we have the ability and the aptitude to navigate through those waters in any way we want as yogis. Hmm. Thanks for illuminating the business of yoga. <laughs> and as you as you stay so rooted in how you hold yourself accountable and you hold Lotus of the House of Lotus accountable, mm-hmm. you're traveling so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you travel across the world yeah. teaching yoga. How yeah. do you keep the thread so grounded while you're mm-hmm. miles away? Yeah. Well, our teachers at Lotus House of Yoga are just insanely amazing. Mm. I mean, you can't, I can't take a poor yoga class there. Every single, I mean, I went to, I love surprising teachers. They hate it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I went to like a a 6am class last week and I was just in tears at the end of the practice because her offering, her confidence, her knowledge, her authenticity was so incredible that I was just like stood up at the end of class and I looked at the students. I was like, we are so lucky. We are so lucky to have teachers so dedicated to their own practice mm. and this practice of teaching here in Omaha, Nebraska, you know, and your our studentship knows that, you know, they know that our teachers are amazing and they can't take a bad class. So you know, the staff first and foremost and the faculty first and foremost is, is huge, Mm. you know? Um, secondly, the community, people love seeing their yoga friends, you know? And so if I go away, it doesn't mean that like, you know, Gregor and Lauren and Chaley aren't going to like go out after, you know, Friday yoga and have a glass of wine. If, if I'm not there or not, you know, it, it runs its love ship without me, you know? Mm. Um, and then finally, I think I'm a better leader when I travel, you Mm. know, I'm a better leader when I can go away and travel the world and come home. I'm more energized. I feel, you know, like even going back after this little trip to Colorado, it's like, I'm going to go back and feel so much more excited about what we have going on in Nebraska than I did last week. Mm. (laughs) That's so beautiful. And, and where are you in 2016? Mm, I'm at Hanuman Festival. Yeah, we'll yeah, see you there. Totally. And Steamboat Movement Festival, which is a gorgeous um, yoga festival in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. I'm going to be at um, a Phoenix Yoga Festival this summer. And I'll probably take my yoga exchange to a couple wanderlusts as well. Um we are thinking Dubai in the fall. Wow. Yeah, I really um, am kind of fascinated 
with going there. I felt called to go there. I, there's, um, you know, some connections I have over there that I'm excited to explore. Um, I, we go to Mexico every year on retreat. That retreat is sold out already. It's in February of 2016. We go to Holbash Island. That's amazing. And, um, you know, we do teacher trainings all over the country. So in April, I'm all over the Midwest every single weekend doing a different teacher training somewhere. So, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you tell us a little more, more about the my yoga, my online yoga exchange? Yes, myyogaexchange.com. So it's something I'm really passionate about because I love yoga clothes. I, you know, wear them all day, every day. Um, but what happened was I was looking in my closet and sort of disgusted. Like I had a lot of yoga clothes in there that I wasn't wearing. And, um, you know, companies send me free stuff and I'd go shopping. And so it just piled up and I was like, mom, girl, I got all this stuff. Like what I I need to give it away. I'm like, I wish that, you know, I could give it to somebody that really actually needed it, you know? Um, and she was like, oh, I don't even want to show you my closet. It's so horrible. I've got bags and bags and bags and bags. And so she was like, what if we like made the eBay of yoga clothes? And I was like, yes, this is amazing. And like the ones we don't sell, let's donate them to women in need. So we had a program with the WCA in Omaha where we, um, offered a sort of, Something I can't really talk a lot about it because one of the primary tenets of women's shelters is secrecy. You know, that they can come there and, and participate in things without their abuser um, knowing. And so we had developed a program with them where the women could come or men could come and practice yoga anonymously. So I'm like, let's give the abundant yoga clothes that we can't resell to um, the women's shelter. And so we started it, and I remember I told Gina Caputo about it, and she was, like, so fired up. And mm. when she got fired up about it, I was like, okay, this is going to work. This is going to be great, you know? And so last summer was kind of, like, our first full summer in business, and we went to tons of yoga festivals, some that I was teaching at, some that I wasn't, and we would just accept donations from our students in Omaha and Lincoln, and we gave them money to spend on our site and then we would sell the yoga clothes okay so we are like hustling all these yoga clothes that are basically never been worn um we have some stuff that was is purchased from yoga studios so like for instance if like your home yoga studio is like has this clearance rack all these clothes are sitting there like you want to move that out, you know, and so we'll buy that from you and we sell that online. So myyogaexchange.com is a place where somebody who like me in college, I couldn't afford $100 yoga pants. No way. Like that just wasn't in my experience. But I could go if this site would have been there, go online, get a pair of, you know, Lululemon yoga pants for $15 that somebody had worn one time. Yes, please. Thank you. So my yoga exchange is is really fun. We do these things now where we'll come into your studio for a week, accept donations for a week. I teach a couple yoga classes. We have a big party. You know, it's just like, let's, let's, that's kind of like fuck the system up. Like, let's find where we are hoarding, parigraha, you know, and how we can share and keep moving that energy into the hands of those in need. Ah! 
<laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. It's wow. Really yeah. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. We will definitely have links to this website Thank on the you. podcast mm-hmm. and, and we're definitely looking to promote this and, yeah. and share the abundance of mm-hmm. yoga clothes. Totally. Nice. Because yeah. there is. Mm-hmm. There is. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> wow. So just a few more questions. What defines a yoga practitioner? Mm. Mm. Okay. What defines a yoga practitioner? A yoga practitioner is someone who has a depth of understanding and a depth of awareness on their needs and their offerings every day. So where is it that I need to show up and meet myself a little bit with more love? And where can I then share that love with more Mm. people? Um, that unfolds for me on a, in a daily yoga practice. I have to be on my mat every day. It's, if I'm not, it's very apparent in my relationships and my attitude about life in general. Um, a yoga practitioner is someone with a depth of awareness of their priorities. Okay. So my priority is relationship with others and I want to know about you and I want to know where you're at how you're feeling today and where you want to go tomorrow. Um, because I'm aware of that in myself. I'm aware of where I'm at today, where, how I'm feeling today, where I can share more abundance and where I want to go tomorrow. And that depth of, of meeting yourself, of self-inquiry, is, I think, at the center of, of who a yoga practitioner is. It's remembering that you're whole It's a myth that you're not okay or that you don't have everything you need. And when you're meeting yourself in that depth of understanding, you know and you remember. And then you see that in others, you know, and that's unconditional love is just knowing that exactly who's sitting in front of you right now is who's perfect to be sitting with you. Mm -hmm. Um, Yoga practitioner is dedicated and devoted, like you shared with me this morning. Um, And... And a yoga practitioner is someone who is both birds, right? So I think that's Upanishads where one bird is sitting at um, the, the start of the limb, observing the bird at the end of the limb eating the fruit, both sour and sweet. And so the yoga practitioner recognizes both birds as a part of uh, the human experience. Cool. Cool end note. <laughs> one last question. Yes. What would be a golden nugget that you would offer to our listeners, practitioners, teachers, anyone who's listening as they carry on on the path of life? Mm, Yeah. Love your inner spark. Okay. So there is something that, you know, the two like flint rocks of your mother and your father came together and you know, they sparked in a way to create you. And that spark is special for you and it's special to you. And the more you can love that spark with revolutionary acceptance. I mean, exactly who you are and where you are right now, that will soften you to a point where you can move forward in a way that's authentic, you know. And Um, one of my favorite things to say to my best friends is I love every single part of you because that's what I say to myself. You know, I think 
in some way, and this is a little bit of a, you know, can drive you crazy a little bit, but I think we're all really just talking to ourselves, you know, like no matter what it is, we're just sort of projecting this inner dialogue we've had. Um, and it's very like much an oversimplification of life, but it's kind of true. So if you start with yourself and you develop a deep and loving relationship with yourself, that's going to spill over into your relationships with everyone who you meet, whether it's one of your favorite friends sitting across from you right now or someone at the DMV, your grandmother, mm. um, or your child. Mm. And my last question, it's not so very much <laughs> yoga related. Mm-hmm. It's a question that I love to ask everyone. Wonderful. What's your favorite color? Oh, uh, yellow. Totally. <laughs> always has been. Always will be. Sweet. Yellow. I uh. love yellow. Yellow's my fave. Mm-hmm. Bright like the sun. Mm-hmm. Exactly. FC, thank you so much mm-hmm. for taking time while you're here in Boulder to connect with me and mm-hmm. to share with us the Yoga Revealed podcast as you find yoga in your life. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We'll see you at Hanuman Festival. Okay, I'll see you then. Namaste. Namaste. If you're feeling like you've got to connect with MC Sweet after she has revealed so many gems on how to live life, visit lotushouseofyoga.com and check out their teacher trainings to receive a special discount off their 200 and 300 hour teacher training programs. Dive into the passion that is offering yoga and sharing what you love. Yoga Revealed is a proud partner with Hanuman Festival. Join MC Suite in this conscious community that holds transformational experiences and is created to raise the vibration. Hanuman Festival 2016 is in Boulder, Colorado, June 9th to the 12th. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Yoga Revealed Podcast. Tap into your inner light warrior and share what you find with the world, forever being a living thread of yoga and the vibe tribe. This is Alec, and I truly thank you. Live your truth and love your life. Until next time, keep practicing and all is coming. Namaste. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.